Good morning. Glad to be here this morning. Glad to have all of you here. We're going to start a study of the book of Galatians today. We uh, meet as a teaching team every so often and we talk about topics and Brother Kent brought this one to us and asked us or requested that we study the book of Galatians. And Brother Matt did a marvelous job of breaking it all down and putting it into lessons and over the next few weeks and maybe even months we're going to Spend some time in the book of Galatians, and it's a great book, as most of Paul's books are. They're very instructive, and they're very applicable for not only the Galatians in A.D. whatever, 40, 50, 60, 70, whenever it was written, but also to us some 2,000 years later. Brother Knowles told me, he said, so we're going to read somebody else's mail this morning. And I said, yeah, I guess that's what we're going to do. We're going to study the book of Galatians, a book that was written to an area or a region not specifically to a single church. I'm going to read you the first few verses of Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So when we look at the book of Galatians, we find some very some things out very quickly. It was written by Paul. It was written written to the churches in Galatia. We're going to talk a little bit this morning about history. Yeah, I know. When I was in high school, when I was in college, history was not one of those things I wanted to study. It was very boring to me. I was a science and math kind of guy, right? And so history was one of the things I just plowed through, learned it to learn it, and then and quickly put it out of my head. But I can tell you that I wish we could figure out a way that we learn stuff when we were ready to learn it. Because I'm ready to learn history. I mean, nowadays history means a lot more to me. And it, and it puts the whole story together for you in a way that, hey, just reading the book of Galatians raw and without any information doesn't give you. And so we're going to talk about history this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about where, what Galatians, where it came from, how it got there, how Paul went there. We're going to talk about the who and the when. And then we're going to talk about why. And I'm just going to give you the very tip-top, mountain-top reasons for why, because over the next, uh, I don't know how many weeks it is, the rest of us are going to dive into the deep understanding of the why. And I'll go through that with you and tell you who's going to talk about what and what you can look forward to as we study the book of Galatians over the next uh, few weeks. So first of all, let's look at a little bit of history. This area right here that's present-day France, Luxembourg, Belgium, most of Switzerland, northern Italy, as well as parts of the Netherlands and Germany, west banks of the Rhine, this area right here that was in the old ancient times called Celtica, and it's with a K, even though it's the Balton Celtics, it's still, they, they pronounced it with a K back in this time. So Celtica is the area where all of this gets started, and it gets started some 1,000 years before Christ. And the people that live in Celtica, they're called Gauls. That's the Latin term for it. The uh, the Greek, oh, no, I'm sorry, Latin is Gallica. They're called Gauls. Latin is Gallica, and Greek is 
Galatia, or it may have even been said Galatea back then. I'm not sure. So that's where it all starts, and that's the reason that you see some people called different things, different languages called people by different things. And so the Greeks, which when this gets way over to Turkey, that's going to be where the Greeks and the Greece have have influence. And so it'll be called Galatia by the time that uh, they get over there. So if we look again at just an artist's rendering of what these folks might have looked like, very warlike. So they're, they're the folks that pillage a, 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 an area and just expand their territory by um, being some pretty rough folks. So you see a lot of guns, I mean not guns, you see a lot of knives, they didn't have guns back then. You see a lot of knives, you see a lot of armor, you see a lot of helmets to protect themselves as they're going about conquering areas and expanding their territory or their level of influence. And if we look at that from a timing perspective, they're originally right in this area right here, that's the early Celts. And then in 500 B.C., they start moving out and exploring and and conquering and taking different areas of the world over in Europe. And they expand, this this is east, right? They expand east in uh, 300 B.C., out further into Europe and on into Italy, a big battle in Rome as they're moving further. And finally, they come over underneath the Black Sea into what's modern-day Turkey, in about 200 B.C. into this area called what we call today Galatia. They may have called it Galatea. So that's how people, and that's the, that's the way that it got its name, and that's how these Celts originally conquered and moved into this part or this region of the world in modern-day Turkey, <clears throat> which is where Paul does some of his first and second missionary journeys. So this area called Galatia is where Paul starts doing his journey. So to whom was the book written? Well, that has some geographical and historical questions about it itself. Because the very northern area where the Celts came over and originally conquered and eventually moved all into this area here, This area was not really ever part of the Roman province. It was left kind of originally as the where the Gauls were at or the Celts were at. This area down in here was as Rome came across in this time period, they conquered this area down here in what they call southern Galatia. So there's some questions about when Paul says to the Galatians, does he mean the northern ones, the southern ones, all of them? What churches is he really talking to? And so based on that, the to whom gets a little bit fuzzy. So in the time of Paul, Galatia, or the Galatians had two meanings. The popular meaning was the land that the Celtics or the Celtics had raided and conquered in 200 B.C. and was not considered part of the Roman Empire, often referred to as northern Galatia. The official or the political meaning of the land was to the south, the Roman Empire that that the Roman Empire conquered and claimed. And it was often called Southern Galatia. So the churches in Galatia could be the southern churches of Derby and Lystra and Iconium, which Paul, the New Testament, mentions these churches. It talks about Paul having ministered in those churches in uh, uh, the book of Acts and in other places. The northern churches were Pessinus and, and you guys figure the Antavium. Um, that's the northern churches of Galatia, not mentioned in the, the Bible. But um, parts of the Galatian letter in, historically have been found in those cities. So 
Um, you know, I, I can't tell you exactly when Paul said Galatians, what particular churches he was mentioning or, or, or sending the letter to. I have my own where, you know, my own thinks so's, but I'm just giving you the facts. So the when then becomes, it varies between 47 and 57 AD. If you have the northern Galatian view, so if he's writing it to the northern churches, then there's a lot of evidence that says he probably wrote it in 56, 57, which was during his second missionary journey. If you have the earlier view that he wrote to the south Galatians, which is Derby and Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch and Presidia, then he probably wrote it shortly after he finished his first missionary journey and got back to Antioch and heard reports that they had strayed from some of his teaching, and so that would be 47 to 48. So it further gets complicated, or gets interesting to me, not really complicated, by the book of Acts. And so if we remember Galatians chapter 2, in Galatians chapter 2, Paul, writing to the Galatians, starts talking to them about circumcision. Later in that chapter, he talks about his confrontation with Peter, where he and Peter uh, talked about the hypocrisy of Peter having eaten with the Gentiles. And then when the Jews showed up from Jerusalem, he starts putting the Gentiles to the side and starts only eating with the Jews. And so uh, he talks about a lot of people... uh, he, he talks about having, um, how does he say that, confronts Peter to his face or something basically there in the second part. So now if you think of that all happened, there's a couple of times, well, you know that all happened. There's a couple of times in Acts when Peter and James or Peter and uh, Paul are together, at least a couple. One is in Acts chapter 11, which is right after. Peter had uh, seen the vision, preached to the the family of Cornelius, converted them. And then uh, Paul and Barnabas are there in uh, Jerusalem with Peter. They're there to collect some money for some churches that have some needs that uh, have a famine. So maybe this confrontation with Peter or this discussion happened in Acts chapter 11. And if that all lines up for you, then you probably have the southern view that it was written earlier, around 47 to to 48. If you think, well, in Acts 15, there was this, con- there was this, what is commonly referred to as the Jerusalem convention or conference where, um, they get together and they talk about circumcision. They talk about, I believe, offering to idols and, um, holy days or feast days or whatever. They have this other discussion again where Peter's there and Paul's there. Then, then you probably think, okay, it was probably written later. And the reason you think that is because surely after that discussion, he didn't have to go do it again. He didn't have to go have another conversation with Peter and, and withstand him to the face. So depend, and there's still a third version that says, Hey, what happened in Galatians is totally independent of what happened in Acts 11 and totally independent of what happened in Acts chapter 15. It's another, it's another. So they were fighting this on so many, you know, so furiously, this concept of going back to the Jewish way that maybe that's a third time. But regardless of what view you pick or which time you think, whether it was in 47 all the way up to 57, the good thing about it is it really doesn't matter for us today. (laughs) But that's the history. You know, it's fun. So just looking at Paul's missionary journey, the traditional says in the first, the first, uh, the first missionary journey started out in Antioch, went through Cyprus, went up through Pamphylia into Antioch of Presidia, over to the Iconium, Lystra, Derby, and then back to Antioch, and then back, and then bypassed Cyprus and back to Antioch. That was his first missionary journey. His second missionary journey, he left out of Jerusalem, went to Antioch, up to Tarsus, to Iconium, and over to Antioch. 
Some people believe he went straight to Troas from there. Some people believe he went up to these northern cities in Galatia and then over to Troas. So I guess depending on what you want to believe to to fuel your argument or your side or whatever on uh, the time that it was written, you can uh, you can fuel it. But these this this part of the journey, if it happened, is uh, as far as I can tell you, it's not in the Bible. So again, that's the when it happened sometime between those that in that ten year period. All right, does that all make sense? Because it doesn't have to. Because the important is the why. So why did Paul write the, the the book to the Galatians? Well, there's a couple of things going on. And the why is what makes what's important to us today, right? So why he wrote it to the Galatians is the same reason that it might be applicable to us today. So the first thing is that there is these Judaizing teachers. There's these people that are teaching the old ways of the Jewish law to these new Gentile Christians that Paul has put into the church. And they're, they're distorting the gospel that he's preached and they're, they're trying to get people back to this. You gotta do these things if you really, if you really want to be saved. <clears throat> and so they attack Paul on his, on his authenticity, his authority, and they're imposing these Jewish requirements on the, on the uh, Gentile Christians. So what, what's Paul's reaction? What would your reaction be? So you spent all this time, this energy, blood, sweat, and tears. You've gone to this foreign country. You've told them all about whatever. You've told them how to make a widget. You've told them how to be saved. You've told them whatever. You spent all this time, this effort. You get back home and you get a report that, oh, they're, they're not listening to anything you said. They're not, they're not even sure you have authority. Um, they're going back to the old way they used to do stuff. You're not going to feel good about that, right? Well, neither did Paul. So there was a couple of things. There was a couple of things that Paul felt, and he tells us about that in Galatians. Number one, he was surprised. And he tells us in a couple of places in Galatians, in chapter 3 and in chapter 1. And here's what he said. In chapter 1, in verse number 6, he says, A short time ago, God chose you to follow him. He chose you through his grace that came through Christ. But now I am amazed that you are already turning away and believing something different from the good news we told you. That's the ERV version of the first chapter in the sixth verse. He says, I'm amazed. So Paul was like, wow, I, don't, I just I don't understand this. This surprises me. It shocks me. It, it, it amazes me. He goes on in chapter three to say, you people in Galatia are so foolish. Why, why do you say this? Because I told you very clearly about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But now it seems as though you have let someone use their magical powers to make you forget. The old King James version uses the word bewitched. Somebody has bewitched you. He's like, wow, you know. David Copperfield's been in here and he's doing some tricks and he's making you guys think some, some crazy stuff. That's what, that's, that's the way he thought about it because he said, I was so clear. I was so clear that this is all about Jesus and it's about the cross. I was so clear. And now somebody's coming in and sprinkling pixie dust on you guys and trying to make you believe something else and you're doing it. And he was amazed. Also, as most of us would be, he was grieved. So it hurt Paul's heart, and he talks about that in chapter 4. He says, my little children, I am in pain again over you. Like a mother giving birth, I will feel this pain until people can look at you and see Christ. I wish I could be with you now, 
then maybe I could change the way I am talking to you. Now I don't know what to do about you. Galatians chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Paul says, man, it hurts. It, you, you, guys are, you guys are killing me. <laughs> that's, that's what we might say today, man. You guys are killing me. This, this, this hurts inside. And so Paul, with that mindset, and Paul, Paul amazes me um, in just his, his depth of feeling. We see that over in Romans chapter 9 when he's talking about his own Jewish countrymen. He says, man, I, I, would, I would die for them to accept Christ if that would matter. He ultimately does die for the church and for, for Christianity, but it didn't matter. No, no different than it didn't matter when his Savior Jesus died. Those, if you won't accept it, it, it can't fix the problem. So the why, um, the, the, the why is this Judaizing teachers and they come in and they question Paul. They question his authority. They say, don't listen to Paul and here's all the stuff that you need to start doing if you're going to be saved. So Paul's response to these brothers and sisters in Galatia, we're going to dive in very deeply into these responses. I'm just going to tell you what the response is, and I'm going to tell you who's going to talk about it later on. Now, brother, this is all according to what Matt sent out the other day. I understand there's already some jockeying for position and some folks that might be moving around on some of this uh, that aren't going to be in town when the topic is assigned, but uh, Sean's going to talk about Paul and his calling to service, and then Lauren's going to talk about his, his requirement to preach to the Gentiles. So Paul defends his apostleship, and he says, man, there's a reason that I'm doing what it is. I was called. So he's going to tell his story, and he's going to say why I'm here and what my, what my job was to do, what my job is. So he's going to defend this, this attack on his own authenticity. And then he's going to start by saying there's only one gospel. Brother Kyle's going to talk about that. He t- he's, t- he's told these, he's telling these Galatians there's only one gospel. <clears throat> Even the best can be influenced by peer pressure. Brother Dusty's going to talk about that. That's the withstanding of, uh, of Peter. We are justified by faith, not by our own deeds or works. Brother Bruce is going to talk about that. Michael's going to talk about nothing. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. Paul tells these Gentiles there's nothing you can do. Don't go back to the old law. Faith is the key. We have to live by faith. Brother John's going to talk about that. He defines the purpose of the law. So he tells them, here's what the law was for. And, uh, and here's what it was designed for. Brother Matt's going to talk about that. Jeremy's going to talk about, um, that we're sons and that we're heirs of God. So Paul's argument to them is, man, we're sons and heirs of God. This isn't about the old law. It's not, uh, always popular to deliver bad news. I'll talk about that. The allegory of Hagar, Hagar and Sarah, born into slavery or born to the promise. Brother Kyle's going to circle back and talk about that. And then he says, because of all of this, because of all of these, for all of these reasons, what should we do? He says, what's the proper use of this newfound liberty that you've got? You don't have these old law. You don't have to keep the Sabbath. You don't have to be whatever. You don't, all these things that you used to have to do, this regiment, regimented practice, you don't have to do that. You've got a new liberty. How do we, what do we do with that? Brother Dusty's going to talk about that. Brother Matt's going to talk about how we must, we, we must walk in the spirit and how we're to bear one another, brother's burdens. Uh, John's going to talk about that. So because of all of this, what should we do? And then Paul gives a warning as he closes the book, and he tells us that we're going to reap what we sow. And he closes the book by saying, 
the, the only glory is in the cross. Along with uh, these topics that are right, right out of Galatians, we're going to have character studies where some of the some of us are going to talk about a particular person, how they relate to the topic that's going on, in, 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 and these will be sprinkled in and around those various topics. Um, we're going to talk about Peter and Moses and Abraham and Cornelius and the prodigal son and Stephen and Isaac, Barnabas, Onesimus, and Solomon. I put that up there, and then I was like, Isaac Bruce. Oh, yeah, that's a football player. But <laughs> Bruce is going to talk about Isaac. We're not going to talk about the football player. Um, so that's what's going to happen over the next um, few uh, weeks and, and months as we study the book of Galatians. And if we get done and you you don't like the study of the book of Galatians, then blame Kent. No, we, we took it on very gladly. It's a great book and a great study. So what, what do we learn from our, our study this morning? First of all, understand that Galatians was written and, uh, to the Galatians to convince them that Jesus fulfills the Torah. He fulfills the old law. He fulfills all the requirements that that old law, he, he, he did it. He finished it. He nailed it to the cross. It's over. It's done. It's behind us. It has its purpose. As we said, brother Matt's going to talk about that. Um, and that we're justified through obedience to him and that we become a part of a new multi-ethnic family in Christ. So that's what they were having a hard time with. They were like, hey, we're Jews, we're Gentiles, we're, we're bond, we're free, we're Greek. We're, it's like, no, it's, it's everybody. This, it's going out to all nations, all people, everybody. There's no, there's no, uh, status in the church if you will everybody's the same we all are christians we're all saints we're all brothers and sisters we're all joined together in our walk with christ so when you think about the book of galatians hopefully that's an overview again we're going to get in i told matt this morning this is not a sermon that just man makes you want to come to the front and change your life because it is a history lesson it is a it is a basis and understanding of the overall book michael will probably circle around and hammer some of these points home when he talks about glorying in the cross at the end and 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 kind of uh, sums up the book of galatians but just think about just think about the Apostle Paul for a minute and his writing of this book. And just think about where the church today would be without that guy. If he hadn't written all of these letters, all of these churches, if he hadn't have poured out his heart and his soul for however many years, all these missionaries all across Europe multiple times, and he goes through what all he went through, right? As in shipwreck, as in peril, all these things. But he loved the church and he loved his Lord and he loved all of us some 2,000 years ago. He's like, man, this is ultimately the most important thing. And when he was writing Romans in chapter 9, as I said earlier, he's like, man, I'd, I'd give myself. At one point he said, man, it's better for me to go on and be with the Lord, but it's better for you if I stay here. He was always constantly doing what it took to live and to do what Christ wanted him to do. So when we think about our lives, the one of the things that we should learn from Galatians is, man, we have been freed from a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff we don't have to worry about. 
God's mercy, God's grace, God's love for us, Jesus on the cross, it gives us a new leash on life, a new liberty. Doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. It means because of that, you should have an unyielding desire and love to to follow Jesus. So that's the book of Galatians, and that's the sermon this morning. If there's anything we can do for anyone, if you'll come and let those wishes be known while we stand and sing this song, we'd be glad to serve you.